right, let's open up in the word of prayer before we get started. Draw our attention. Heavenly Father, we again come before you humbly. Thank you for who you are. You're loving and kind and gracious. You're also all-powerful, all-knowing. You're, you're sovereignty reigns regardless of what we think. And we thank you that you can dwell those that you have called. Open our eyes and our minds here this evening to your truth. Help us to understand. Help us to relate it to our everyday walk with you. Thank you again for the Holy Spirit, which indwells those that love them. And again, we just pray for those that are not here. Uh, that you would bless them as well. We've got several out, and we just we think of those. We think of those that are are sick as well. Thank especially Joe that I was just talking to. Him. We pray for your mighty work and his. His life and in his body and in his heart and his family. Thank you again for this privilege of opening the word and reading it and looking at it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> Mark 7, and our verses will be 14 to 16. You need a chair? Yeah. Okay, you just stand. <laughs> you just want to stand. Okay. All right. You want to be my saved? You want to be my saved? They just won't stand. They just won't stand. All right. As we come to chapter seven, Jesus has already fed a massive crowd of people with five loaves and two fish. That's in 641. Probably around 20,000 people. His chosen 12 are still amazed don't quite understand what Jesus is doing. And rightly so. We can see the whole picture. The beginning to the end. We can study it. We can pick it apart. We can look at other scripture that support it. They didn't have that advantage. We tend to overlook that sometimes. Jesus had included them in his great work. They too could do mighty deeds like no others. Their faith seemed to be growing ever so slowly, as did their understanding of Jesus' true mission. Jesus' mission was not to liberate them from the oppression of Rome or to save them from Rome, but to save them from themselves, to show them their sinful hearts, the rotten core, that Jesus could save the change alone. Jesus is the only one that can change a heart. But Jesus was ever so patient with them, again and again, explaining his parables to them. Actually, his patience has endured from the beginning of time to his people. If, if God was not faithful at keeping his promises to Abraham, Israel would not exist today. Because we know they were they were sinful people too, and he had promised to make them a great nation. 
an innumerable amount of people and they continued to sin and at times God even wanted to destroy them. Moses, I remember one time in particular, came on their behalf and uh, and he, he says, what will this look like to the other nations if you destroy them? You know, so so but God stuck to his promise of making them a great nation. If you think about it, Israel is the only one today out of all the nations in the in the Old Testament, Amorites, the, all those old nations that exist today. Israel is the only one. Jesus was uh, coming to fulfill scripture. The way they had worshipped and had been taught to worship was coming to an end. The sacrifices that were commanded, the eating practices, clean and unclean animals would be stopped. And <clears throat> this made me, made, made me think, could this be possible why Jesus came with such power and authority? Because he's coming with, with changes that, uh, that they've been practicing for thousands of years. Uh, <clears throat> he makes changes, and in what authority did he have? God's authority. And part of that was proof through... Part of that was proof uh, through his mighty works and powers that he that he done that he was from God. Jesus is healing and doing mighty works everywhere he desires, touching the unbelievers as well as believers. He is going where Jews would try to avoid, going to people others would. He was different. He associated with everyone. We read often of a group of leaders of Israel. They were the Pharisees and the scribes. Probably 90% of the time that you read about them, they are accusing Jesus or his disciples of violating their forefathers' laws or traditions or plotting how to get rid of Jesus and still look righteous or good. If you think about it, all the, all the times that they're mentioned in there, probably about 90% of the time, you always have them associated with that, either confronting Jesus or accusing Jesus and his disciples or something about all the time. Oftentimes, Jesus uses these people, the Pharisees, as a teaching opportunity to either show their true heart their devotion to tradition as if it was God's law. Our convictions are not the law. You know, and I and <clears throat> you know, I'm quick to judge others. And I've not been called to be a judge. You know, I tend I tend to judge according to my standard. You know, and that's what these Pharisees were doing. That's what this whole chapter or the first half of this chapter is about is about their traditions. They're they're ju judging others, you know, and I and I tend to I tend to do that as well. Like uh, like I as I look at other people, I think, what are you spending your energy on? You could be doing other things. 
you know. How often do you go to church? Do you drink alcohol? What is your speech like? As far as cursing and things like that. What do you like to talk about? Are you giving of your time to God's work? Or is it just for yourself? You know? And I may even question someone's motive for doing something. You know, the list, uh, the list can go on and on. But it, but, and I've really been convicted of that because I, I do that without even really thinking about it. And I'm, I'm looking at those things when I do that. When I look at somebody and I, I think, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, if it's just, if it's just my own personal conviction, I've been really convicted in, in studying this uh, this chapter here. Uh, a good applicable verse will be Proverbs 4.25. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. In other words, don't be looking around at everybody else. You know, look ahead, keep your eyes, eyes fixed on Jesus and his work for you because somebody else's work may be different. You know, I've just been really convicted of that myself. That was kind of what Peter had done at the end of the gospel when uh, Jesus after Jesus asked him if you love me three times. And then uh, as he was leaving, Jesus had talked about suffering and he, he said, what about John? He just said, don't worry about John. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Worry about worry about yourself. That's right. You know, and, and we do and we do tend to uh, we do tend to look at other people differently that are that, that are different than us. You know. And we yeah we we try to we try to put our convictions on other people. Well, the Pharisees, um, their motivation is good. They wanted to protect the word, the scriptures, because there had been such an abandonment of that by their ancestors, but they just went overboard and uh, tried to put fences around and everything, like keeping the Sabbath. That's the general statement that I would keep it over. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to leave it there. They wanted to start giving some suggestions as to how you can keep it holy, and then those suggestions became law. When you violate their laws, they, they were very upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> and it can happen. We can do the same thing. They're, they're Christian schools that are very, very strict and like strictly they need to be Yeah. And and uh, I was listening to a sermon by R.C. Sproul and he said that uh, they had a certain distance they could go. Yeah. But yeah, but they would uh, but they had yeah. they had a an amendment to that that if you had if you had something that was stationary, you could go to that point. And so what they would do, they would bury toothbrushes. So they would go to that toothbrush, pick up that toothbrush, use it, go to another toothbrush, which was very further out. They they made they made amendments and, and that's and that that's how they were getting around even the laws that they had made. You know. But you're but you're right, Pastor Peter. The, the Pharisees started out doing the right thing, 
and and you know what's happening here is is uh is so huge and what what's going to be talking about here is, is so huge as Jesus comes in and and later on in these verses he's actually going to tell them it's not what goes into the body that that defiles you and and it it could be meat or anything and that that really upsets them. Matthew, we're gonna we're gonna see what Matthew says about that. But back to my notes here. Here in chapter seven of Mark's gospel, it seems he is driving home the point of traditions versus the law, or more so the exterior of man versus the heart condition. Where's your heart at? That's that's the whole issue here. Not not what are you like on the outside because all of us all of us can dress up on Sunday. Do I wear this every everyday stage? I clean up pretty good on Sunday. But it's your everyday what's that? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's not how you dress up. It's what are you like on the inside. And what's on the inside will come out, and we're going we're going to be looking at that. But it's it's a heart condition. He gives some examples uh, out of many that we've covered, like uh, requiring ceremonial cleansing before eating, especially the rabbis and the students. Putting this tradition as if it was law, purifying themselves outwardly. It was all outwardly all outwardly to them. Then Jesus calls them hypocrites, which I'm sure was a shock. The hypocrite acts like someone they are not. They acted like they were so God-honoring by following the commandments, but in reality, they honored their traditions. Jesus gives an example. Honor your father and your mother. That's a commandment. How many of them have read that in the in the commandments? Mm -hmm. Honor your father and your mother. They have made an amendment which looks good on the outside, willing their assets to the temple, which would trump God's command. Right? That looks good on the outside. I'm gonna give all my all the all the things that I have when I die, I'm giving it to the church. Don't that sound who, who in the who in the New Testament we know that uh, that yeah they didn't actually do that no, but they I they that. acted like they had had given everything yeah. right? right and what happened to them both of them God just they got that they yeah. got that they got killed right that's right and and they would use that uh, they could use that money until they died but that that was an excuse. Not to help the father and mother. Okay. Uh, this was a clear picture of their hearts to please themselves. And Jesus calls them out on this, uses it to call those in the crowd and his disciples to further teach about things to come. Uh, I've never given much thought to his teaching, it was all about things to come. The new order, the old order or the old system 
uh, a lot of external laws, and even even in the Old Testament, you have a lot of external laws as far as eating meats and uh, cleansing yourself, uh, keeping yourself separate as a people, the sacrifices that they were to give, the feasts that, that they done. They were required, I think, to do three feasts a year. They were required that. Things uh, that they had practiced for thousands of years was all going to be changed. And I can I can see the struggles that they would have because now the king of glory comes to establish his kingdom. And that kingdom will be his subjects or believers. And Paul talks about that. <clears throat> Eric, out of your Bible, I want you to read uh, Ephesians 1. 10 to 13. This is talking about the beginning of the kingdom. And the reason I'm having Eric read it is because he's got the New Living Translation, and I like the wording, but you can follow along in your own. Hold on for some people looking it up. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 10 to 13. <clears throat> it's talking about the kingdom. Very interesting what Paul has to say. Ready? Yes. And this is a plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes, he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. That was the beginning of his kingdom. Brought the Jews in first, right? The yeah. king, the king has to have subjects. Mm -hmm. The kingdom has to have a king. And the kingdom was not established until Jesus came. I thought that was very interesting in the kingdom. That goes all the way back to when we first began, uh, and Jesus talking about the kingdom. Um that uh, Jesus talked about the kingdom. I've come to establish the kingdom. And then uh, John the Baptist also talked about preach the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom is near. Right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 23 to 27. You have an extra I do. I've got plenty Many opinions. Any piece of paper? Uh, Ryan? Thank you. No, thank you. I just want to make a note in here. And I, thank you. First Corinthians 15, what? 23 to 27. You need a pen? No, I've, I've got several pens right here. Thank you. Church pens, by the way. If you might need your church pens, you don't need your church pens. I have one. Yeah, you're going to get one for you. 
after all the subjects have come, all the subjects, that's all all the believers, all the ones that's going to be part of this this grand kingdom, God's kingdom. Okay. Um, But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come. But he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when he says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Okay, so at the end, when this kingdom is full, when God is called that last saint, so to speak, Jesus, as I understand it, is going to give that authority that God gave to him when he came to establish that kingdom. He's going to give it back to God. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? That's a very interesting concept. So we have the beginning of his kingdom, and then we read about the end when he is when he has destroyed the enemy. And that's and that's what he's in the process of doing now. He's in the process of building upon that kingdom that he has started. And he is in the process of destroying Satan, who is his arch enemy, and sin. Sin is the last enemy to be destroyed, right? Sin is the enemy, is our enemy. Sin is our enemy, not necessarily people. You know, we think of people as being our enemies, especially today with wars going on. We think of countries being our enemies, but sin is our true enemy. And death. And death. That's right. And death. Sin is death, right? Yep. That's right. Sin is death. All this just to say how important the teaching of the kingdom of God is. Mark mentions this as early as Mark 1.15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In this section of Mark 7, verses 6 to 23, Jesus addresses three groups of people. And that's the section we've been in. The first section that we've that we've already looked at, in verses six to thirteen, uh, come to him. It's the Pharisees and the scribes. They come to him, and so he he addresses them. The section we're going to look at tonight is the second group, which is the crowd. Now, and and with this crowd. We still have the first group. We still have the Pharisees and the scribes that are there, which he has addressed. And then we're going to have, in this group, we're going to have the crowd. After Jesus gets through talking to the Pharisees, he's he's going to address the crowd. And then he's going to address a third group, which is his disciples. 
And I believe that's a small group because it goes into a house. So if it goes into a house, you can't get a, a multitude of people or a large amount of people into a house. So I believe it's a, I believe it's a smaller group of people, his disciples, and, and probably not just his 12 disciples. There was probably others that, uh, that followed him as well. You know, those that, that were seeking and asking questions of him. The third group would be disciples, which was uh, apparently a small group, which I've already said. And that's in verses 17.3. So let's pick up in Jesus addressing the crowd in verses 14 to 16. And I'm going to read those verses. <clears throat> so uh, Mark 7, 14 to uh, 16. It says, when he had called all the multitude to himself, Multitude, that, that's a lot of people, right? When he called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear has any, anybody here got the got a version that has not got verse 16 in it? No, but mine's in brackets. Well, I yeah. have no living, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I doesn't have it either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's an early manuscript that missed that verse. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, it, do, it doesn't change the verse either no, way. No. It doesn't take away from it or it don't add it. But some, I just want you to know that some, some of your Bibles, in case you're wondering, it's not a misprint. <laughs> but, all right, verse 16. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them. When the Bible <clears throat> says Jesus called the multitude to himself, it was a lot of people. We've, we've read that uh, many times when he had talked to the multitude, when he would address the multitudes. All the people there would have not been able to hear the conversation between Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes. And if they did happen to hear, they didn't understand why. It's like we've heard before. Jesus was turning, was turning, <clears throat> Jesus was turning their way of religion or worship upside down. They wouldn't have been able to understand, you know, and even the disciples, even the disciples themselves didn't understand. This is this is something radical that he is doing. We don't under, we don't really understand how radical this is. Most of Jesus's teaching was in parables. <clears throat> Mark four thirty three says, with many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So most of Jesus' teaching to the crowds, to the multitudes, were in parables. And most of the time they couldn't understand. And those that were interested would come to Jesus and ask him, what do you mean? Explain this to me. You know? Uh, <clears throat> and and, and 14b, it says, hear me, everyone, and understand. 
Jesus wants everyone to hear what he says. The, the crowd had heard from the Pharisees. They'd heard from the Pharisees actually all their lives, right? All, and the ritual purity, their separation from defilement, their sayings were more godly than anyone who does not do them. They're saying they're saying that uh, that what they done was more more godly than even keeping the law is what the Pharisees said. They were they were very very well respected people because uh, and I don't know if we'll look at it where even. Uh, if you look back in Matthew's account, right before, uh, right after Jesus, uh, right, I think it's right before Jesus addresses the crowd, that uh, they say, "Don't you don't you know that uh, the the people, the Pharisees, are not happy with what you said?" They actually, come and tell Jesus that. We'll get that somewhere. I've got it here in my notes somewhere. Um, and it isn't the first time Mark 4.3 says, listen, behold, a soul went out to sow. 4.9, he says again, and he said, who has ears to hear, let him hear. Hear again, hear me, everyone, and understand. Jesus continually wanted people to hear what he had to say. And again, in 7.16, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. God even declared uh, three disciples to listen to him. Mark 9, 7, then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. That was God that was saying that. We all know how important Jesus' words are, even today. Still inviting everyone to hear what he says. Everyone needs to listen. There is nothing that enters a man from the outside which can defile him. That's in verse 15a. <clears throat> the New Living Testament says it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. So what is defilement? It's the act of making something unclean which seems to imply it has to be clean or set apart in the first place, right? Or in simple words, it means to become common. And if you remember, we talked about that, that the Pharisees did not accept just common, right? So it's, it's like everyone, like everything or everyone else. People around would have understood about the defilement of unwashed hands, which should have never been required of them, but it was. The people knew how serious the Pharisees and scribes were about this. But Jesus' point was not to necessarily condemn their actions, but to point out the state of their heart. Point out the state of their heart. The Pharisees were all about being pure on the outside, you know, and 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 those are things that we're concerned. We we're concerned about what people think about us, right? 
and rightly we should be. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> those were those are things that we can do. People people could see their uh, perceived separation. They were looked upon. They were they were elevated because of because of the way that they looked on the outside. And Jesus is coming to question that. Jesus answers their question about unwashed hands in a way they don't expect and uses it to teach about a greater defilement, which is the heart. And you know, uh, as, I, as I thought about that, and I thought about that defilement, we are defiled people because there is none of us that are pure. Even our hearts are defiled, right? We're going to, I think we read in this section of Jeremiah 17 where it says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I mean, the, the, heart, is, the heart is defiled. And uh, it's, it's defilement. Uh, this, was, this is a quote from someone else. It says, their religious system revolved around defilement being cleansed from defilement. But now Jesus says that there is nothing outside of the person that can cause defilement. Why is that? I think it's because we are already defiled. We're already defiled. Well, that, that, all that language in there is religious language and jargon that they would associate with their temple and their sacrificial system, the process of, of cleansing, uh, the process of, of making things uh, acceptable so that they are not uh, dirty. Mm -hmm. And uh, But they moved things into the category a lot of times of being dirty, which were not really considered important. And, you know, we can do that. We can um, put, make lists of all kinds of things that we want others to adhere to. We, you know, it's, yes, it's not honoring to, to the Lord. So that, that defilement is a religious term. And uh, many, many times the idea is in, in the scripture, it talks about uh, things that we do in ministry and or religious service, and that's another reference to the religious system that we do things according to the religious service of the temple and other things like that, rather than serving just from the heart, because we really love the Savior and want to serve Him. You know what I'm saying? And, and I know that's yeah. kind of confusing in a way, but uh, they they were really big on. Um, declaring things unclean and defiled that they didn't like. Yeah, and 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 that's that's a lot of what the the Old Testament was about. I mean, they had things that were separated. They did the golden cups. Yes, they did the golden cups. Uh, you know, not marrying into Gentile nations. That was uh, important. You know, don't eat don't eat pork. You know, don't eat swine. That was another thing that would defile you. Uh, 
that was a particular one, but it, it was something about the forked, don't eat ones with the forked feet. You go into Leviticus and read about those things. Yeah, all, all those things were things that were ingrained in them, and they added added to them. And and Jesus is coming to fulfill that law Amen. Amen. and to change all that. We don't have we don't have to do that today. A lot of us just have some pork, right? <laughs> if 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 that had been the case, we'd all be defiled. But it's not. He's made all things, all things clean for us. It's not, it's not the outside. Again, this is this is what this whole thing is about. He's changing or fulfilling, I guess is a better word, of the old things that they had to do. He is paying the price to where we don't have to go through. Isn't that, isn't that a blessing? We yes, don't sir. have to, we don't have to sacrifice. Yes, we don't have to sacrifice a lamb. We don't have to sacrifice doves or bulls or anything like that to pay for our sin. Actually, it didn't pay for it. It just covered. He came to pay for it and to remove it. But you're absolutely right. He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's right. That, that, that is how you know if you belong to God. That that's that's absolutely true. That you will desire, your heart's desire will be to follow him, to be with his people. Those those are those are things that come from the heart. You know, it's it's not a not a thing that you have to muster up, so to speak. <clears throat> uh and the and the core problem is sin. And sin comes from the heart. At times, we are all guilty of, of convincing ourselves that we sin because of something or someone outside of us has made us do it. Um, I yelled because he cut me off in track. I yelled because he cut me off in track. See how that's that shifting the blame to somebody else. I lost my temper <clears throat> because I'm under a lot of stress. You ever get stressful and kind of lose your temper? I do it, I do it quite often. <laughs> Not as often as I used to. Those are bad But yeah, thank you, Dave. <laughs> we often see our sins as a result of outward circumstances. But instead of a heart's condition, and our hearts are sinful. Our hearts are sinful. So, with this view, sin, sin is a result of outward circumstances. Their reaction was to try and please God by duty rather than recognizing their own sinful hearts. So, when they would sin, they would try to restore themselves by doing something good, such as cleansing. And they would sin. Like I can wash, I can wash the house. That's what David did when he, after he uh, sinned with Bathsheba and had her husband killed and stuff, he tried um, over and over again through the sacrificial system 
to go through the process of paying for his sin, but he said in his psalm, he said, my sin is never before. And he goes on talking about that, how the, the, my sin and my conscience get bothered and eating my bones up. And finally, near the end, he said uh, that God is, uh, God is, if, he said, if you desired sacrifices, that's what I would get. But instead, you desire a broken contract part. That's right. That's a very, very good example. He's, he's desiring a broken heart. Broken over sin. That's right. Broken over our sin. The first thing we have to do is realize our sin. That's the first thing. Well, we should know that because we know our bent. We know that we are constantly putting ourselves in. I know I am. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, Mary, you're talking about making excuses for all changes it, adds to it, takes away from it, anything like that. I mean, it's full judgment on on you for that sort of thing. And it's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing when we take, and the Pharisees were doing the exact same thing because of convenience or pride, you know, um, for any of those things. And then it goes on talking about some other things, evil thoughts and um, just immorality and sexual immorality and just all kinds of stuff, but those are just things that we do um, with convenience and because we want to do and we justify and we say that they're okay and <clears throat> you know just all kinds of things we give all kinds of reasons why we want to do certain things and so we're the Pharisees doing the exact same thing except that they were covering them up by making, by changing their, changing the laws and making amendments to them. So that was covering up their own conveniences and what they really wanted to do. And you're right, it comes from the heart. Like, what did they really want to do? They really wanted to do their own thing. And that's what we all want to do too. We all want to do our own thing and it comes from the inside. And so we look at what God's rules are and we go, doesn't work for me. <laughs> Not doing that one, but it'll be okay because I'm going to do this other one over here. You know, but he doesn't look at that. We're either adding to it, we're changing it, we're voiding the exact way that it is. That's right. So, I mean, I've done it plenty of times, but God, in His uh, grace, is just like, oh, here, here we go again. And, but I, but I have to recognize it and then. Confess it, and then he forgives me. But anyway, I'm just saying because we, oh, I've done that plenty That's of right. times. Just kind of, yeah, making things work for me. Yeah, at the end he gives a list. I think you were looking at that list, and it's an extensive list. And it's an extensive list. I mean, and yeah, we've done. All of us have done most of those. Most of those things. 
and we are guilty. I mean, there's there's no doubt that we are we're we're guilty of judgment if it wasn't for Christ paying for that sin for you. And that's where that's where you have to believe it and accept it in your heart. Because all of us are guilty. If you look at if you look at that list, we're not gonna get to it, but if you glance on down to what 20, 22, 23. Verse 22, 23 in that chapter, it gives you a big old long list of things in there. And I, as I read through that list, I'm guilty of a lot of those, if not all of them, at one time or another. See, and I, and I think I think that's the thing. We are guilty, and and even our hearts are guilty. But unless God changes our hearts, we're going to have to pay for that guilt. That guilt is death. What is death? It's not death like we, we know it. It's not laying out on a board, not breathing. It's separation from God. Eternal separation, which nobody has experienced. Believer or unbeliever living today has not, exper not experienced that because we are under common grace. Everybody has the sun come up. Everybody has rain. That's that common grace that we have. We have a special grace if you belong to Jesus, if, you're, if your heart has been changed. Dave, yes. Well, like you said, this is radical. It is. These, these gentlemen have taught your dad all the two birds for your entire life. These are the interpreters of all of God. Right. Mm -hmm. And they say that have to do it this way. But, <clears throat> like you said, if you can't do it this way, there is ways to skirt around this and do it this way. And you're still you're in some gray area, but I mean, you're still getting it done. That's fine. You know, where, where God's laws are gray area. And that's why he gave specific instructions. Not the 700 instructions that the religious leaders gave. Yeah. You know, he gave these commandments on what to do. And men always do that. They always try to come up with the exclusivity of themselves, you know, and then everybody be like me. <clears throat> and if you want to be part of my gang, you have to do what I say to do, you know. And uh, that's kind of what the Pharisees. Well, like the pastor said, I mean, they were good. Their, their hearts were in the right place. Yeah. They wanted everybody to be clean. They, they, but they did add way too much to it. And like you said, once you start making amendments to your laws, to your laws, yeah. to God so accommodate God. yourself, yeah. it gets to be kind of nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a radical thing for this man to come up and say, all this is void. Yeah. I'm paying for all. Yeah, that's yeah. Now, now you now the chains are off, you know, and I'm giving you true freedom mm. and joy. Yeah, and I so you can be diff, you can be difficult on these Pharisees, but this is some radical stuff, yeah. you know. And I and I think that's part of why I mentioned in the in the in the beginning of why Jesus had all these powers because of all the changes. You know, he was God, and we know that. That's the ultimate reason, yeah. 
We know that's the ultimate reason he had these powers, but he displayed these powers to prove who he was, to prove his authority. Now, if somebody comes along today, and there's a lot of a lot of people that that come along and say I'm from God, you know, and you got a lot of cults and things out there, but they have they they don't have that proof, you know. People follow them anyway, right? People are looking for excuses. Well, there, so for convenience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is a little. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's easy to do. It's easy to do the do's than to have a heart change. It's easier to do the do's we can't and the don'ts. That's right. God, God is the one that changes. That's right. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah. I, I think that's where we're going to close. We've already been with that one verse, verse fourteen. Uh, we'll, we'll start again on 15 our next uh our next study but that's right that's, and and this whole section this whole chapter number seven is uh is all all about the heart it's not what's on the outside that matters and that's what i really want to stress here it's not what's on the outside that matters it's what's on the inside it's not what you look like it's not even it's not even what you do, because because if your heart's in the right place, if God has changed your hearts, then your doings are going to change. The things that you do will change, right? The things that you desire will change. Your motives will change. Uh, your attention in your life will be toward other things will change. You know, God will change. God will change the outside if He changes the inside that's the thing it does when he changes the inside it does affect the outside that's right that's right now, remember the rich young ruler yeah um, he was pretty well perfect yeah he know? was i mean he really was and even the disciples apparently the disciples had had, they knew this man because, or they knew of him because when he, you know, when he started talking and he was like, well, I've obeyed all the, you know, I've obeyed all the laws. I've done all the commands. I've done this and I've done that. And, you know, I've just like kept everything. I've honored my parents. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. And even everybody else was looking at him like, yeah, we know this guy. He's amazing. Um, but then, you know, Jesus knew his heart that he was not, uh, he was not willing to commit his life, his money. He was just not, just couldn't get himself to do it, you know. Um, and so I just think same with these, same with these uh, men right here. Everybody was looking at the Pharisees and going, but they're good. I mean, these guys, they're doing all these 700 plus rules and everything. They're, they're absolutely amazing. So you're right. If that's radical, I mean, for Jesus to say, everything you've been doing, that's yeah, boy. You know, I mean, all the people are just like, Everybody's, like the rich young ruler. Yeah. Like I, I've been doing it. And then the disciples after that, after, you know, the man just like walked away, he's not doing that. The disciples are like, 
then who can enter the kingdom? Yeah, right? Like, I mean, they're yeah, kind of like, oh my goodness, first you like blasted the Pharisees and they were like way up here. And then here's this rich young ruler man, this man who we've known, and he's got an impeccable uh, lifestyle. And you just, <laughs> and you, you just pretty much, yeah, prepare that too. Um, so it's a, yeah, they, they did. I mean, they did ask Jesus. Yeah, they were like, know, "Well, then, who can? Who can enter?" You know, so here's who Jesus. You're right. Here's Jesus talking to the, you know, talking to the Pharisees and stuff, and all the people that are around are just like, "So where do we go?" You know, that was a power shift. Yeah, right? and but, you know, and, and later on, Peter even, uh, Peter even, kind of bucks this change. You know, we, we read about that in Acts, I think, chapter 10. Somewhere around chapter 10 there where he bucks that change uh, as far as allowing uh, Gentiles in. And uh, and not only that, but eating meat. You know, he told the Lord, he said, I've never done these things, you know. From when I was a boy, I've never done these things. You know, so, yeah. So, so you know, so I can... I can kind of relate to these these people, you know. Somebody coming in trying to trying to change what we're doing or what we believe. I put up my my hands and my feet. Now let's let's wait a minute here. You know, I've been doing this all my life. You know, so but that's good. That's good. But God's the only one that can do it. God God does the changes. He, he showed it by sending his son with all these powers. And then not only him having these powers, Jesus delegated these powers to his closest disciples. That, now, what? how amazing is that? You know, went out preaching and things like that. Yes, went out pre healing. Yeah. Even, the Bible even says they raised the dead. Yeah. I mean, if that's not enough, but that, but, but you know that, yeah, but that, but you know, that's going to appear again in the book of Revelation. There's going to be two prophets that's going to be raised in the streets. They're going to kill them again. Uh, any other comments? <clears throat> Make sure you have you know Jesus in your heart as the true Savior, not just by, by, by about your outside. That's right. That's right. And if he changes your heart, you know. You'll know because your your outsides will change as well. Romans ten nine okay. Where once you make him your Lord, that means he has to be Lord of everything in life, relationships. It's a tough standard. It's a tough standard. And yet it's the best. It's the best life. But we don't believe it. Yeah. And he's he's and and that secures your eternal future. It's not just this life that uh, Jesus is concerned about. It's not just the things here, but it's about your eternal life, the life to come. That's what it's all about. This life is so short. Eternity lasts forever. This life lasts if you're lucky, seven or eight years. Right, Eric? Past two, Don't make it stop. Seventy, eighty, <laughs> maybe ninety, a hundred, maybe. Maybe not even a hundred. We don't want to joke. No, no, we. <laughs>
Class pay you closes in front of Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to talk about you and your people gathered around you here, looking at your word, no. contemplating, or trying to contemplate who you are, what you are doing in our lives. You are so very, very good to us. Thank you for the things that you have shown us today. It's been a good day. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for the fellowship. We are your family. Thank you that we, that our security rests in you and what you've doing and what you've done. Help us to know about it, know it better. Be merciful to us. I pray for my heart because I can see as we're talking about things, I see so many distractions in my life. And uh, I know that they're not pleasing to you. Thank you for this fellowship. We ask your blessing upon us this week. Pray also for those that are not here. Now, Rick's not here. And Pete and Doria were teasing about them not being here. And we'll be able to get a word in edgewise. But we thank you for them and for their heart. We love them very much. Part of the family. And Bob and Vicky. Yes, yes, and Bob and Vicky. You're exactly right. We pray for them as well. Thank you for bringing Sage back. Today we, we pray for her. Thank you for the young man that's with her. I don't know his name. We pray for him with his heart as well. Ask a blessing now for this week. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Amen.